0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Welcome. It's good to see everyone. Uh, it, it has turned a little cool today and last night, uh, but we're, we're glad to be inside with warm fellowship. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our service this morning. Um, Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly certainly appreciate it. And I'd like to uh, call to your attention a few announcements that we have. Uh, First of all, thank you to our senior adult um, uh, Sunday school class for breakfast this morning. Uh, We do this once a month with the different classes being responsible for that, and we're grateful to our senior adults. Uh, class for uh, for breakfast this morning it was delicious and the fellowship was great. Our hoops and cheers uh, basketball and cheerleading program continues to uh, to grow great. Uh, we have one more week, folks. I cannot can hardly believe it. We're only one week away from the end, and so with this next week being the last week of our hoops and cheers program. Um, It'll be kind of a special week, and we're, we're doing things a little bit different this year. We're going to be having a special presentation uh, at halftime, right? At halftime during each of the games. And, uh, and, and so this will be a special time. It'll be a time when, when we're actually presenting the gospel to the children and to the parents there. And, uh, and we could use your, just your presence with us. So come and be a part of that if, you, if you're able to. Uh, we will be here. The games will start at 9 o'clock and move on from, from there. Uh, into the early afternoon, so hope you can be there and be a part of that. Now, Christine, I think you had some announcements.
1: Okay. Speaking of hoops and cheers, we do need extra manpower for next week, especially between eleven and two, because, like Dr. Hobbs said, we've got two hours scheduled for each of the of the games. And the way we're going to do it is uh, the kids will play half the game, and then we'll have our entertainment at halftime. And then we'll have to put things back together and finish the game. And then after the games, when the kids go out, they'll get their awards out in the front foyer there. So we need extra help everywhere, okay? So if you can help with that, let Nora, Sybil, or, or Mary Ryer or myself know. Uh, also, we do have deacons meeting tonight, so I, I hope all the deacons can come tonight. We have deacon elections for next year. That will be the Sunday after Thanksgiving. If you do not want to be considered to be a deacon for 2017, then you need to make sure that you mark your name off the list, which is over on the table as you leave. Okay. Um, Sue Berry had to leave, but she wanted me to make two announcements. Number one, she will make biscuits. You know, she makes those yummy homemade biscuits. She will make those for anybody who wants to purchase those for Thanksgiving. So if you'll let me know after the service, I'll get a number together for you can either get the dough and roll it out yourself and cut them. I don't really like doing that. She'll roll them out and cut them and have them frozen in a bag and you just pull out what you want. That's the way to do it. So let me know. Uh, the money from that is going to go to uh, the children's fund. No, 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 I'm wrong on that. The money from that is going to go toward. We had to purchase two new Christmas trees for the church. For the money for that is going to help pay for Christmas trees. And then the other thing is, if you notice in your worship folder, we're having a CBC Children and Youth Winter Soup Luncheon fundraiser, and that's going to be December 4th. And you're supposed to, on that day, wear an ugly Christmas sweater or a tie, a Christmas tie. Well, Sue has made some ugly Christmas sweaters, and she has some ties. So Wednesday night, she'll have those hung up over here if you want to look at those to purchase. And the money from that will go to the children's fund. So if you have any questions, just see me after church, okay? Okay.
0: That, that sounds, she has been busy, hasn't she? That sounds kind of funny, that we're, we're, we're going to be purchasing ugly sweaters and ties. But it's all in, all for fun, so thanks, thanks for that. Just a couple of other things on Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, um, uh, Marcelo and Roseanne uh, Gomes, who are missionaries to India, will be here on Wednesday night, and we'll be hearing about their ministry there uh, they are friends of uh, Dennis Diva, uh, that many of you know. They are from Brazil and are missionaries to, um, to India, and so we'll look forward to hearing from them on Wednesday night. And also, I want to call to your attention that our community-wide Thanksgiving service that we have every year will be on Sunday, November the 20th, at Bennett Memorial United Methodist Church. Uh, that's a time for all of the community to come together and to, to give thanks for God uh, give thanks to God for all the blessings that God uh, has given to us. It's a great time. It's an ecumenical time. And here's the thing. We also enjoy fellowship. We also enjoy eating together. And every church is responsible for four pies. Uh, so if you would like to uh, prepare a, a pie to, uh, to take to the uh, community service, please let me know. And, uh, and we'll, we'll uh, add that to our list. We are grateful that you are here today. Let us... Oh, the service is at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock on uh, Sunday, November the 20th. So, thank you. Uh, Let's stand and greet each each other and uh, share the love of Christ with one another. (laughs) Thank
2: you.
0: Okay, as we return to our seats, I know it's great to share the fellowship with God with one another, but let's return to our seats and prepare our hearts for worship. Our Father in heaven, we praise you as the one sovereign and good God, our refuge and our strength and a very present help in times of trouble. We come to you confessing that at times in our lives it seems as though our world is spinning out of control. And so we pray that you would grant us grace that we may put our trust in you. We come to you, O God, after a time of a political season. And for whatever reason, it seems that this political season has been particularly ugly and divisive. We confess that we have thought bad thoughts about people with whom we disagree. We have said things that we regret about brothers and sisters who have a different perspective. We have done things that no reasonable person would do under normal circumstances. But feelings ran so high that we felt driven to lash out. So forgive us, O oh God, for our weakness and our waywardness. Now that our election is finally over, neither let us gloat nor despair. Instead, let us come together in love, your love, a love that crosses all barriers and moves beyond political loyalty and rhetoric. Help us to see you in the faces of our brothers and sisters, no matter how they voted, and remind us, O God, that our candidates are not messiahs. They are human beings like us, flawed, sinful, sinful but also, like us, loved by you and forgivable. Help us to reach across the divide with forgiveness and love as you forgive and love us. And help us to know that whoever our president is or our senator or representative or commissioner or dog catcher, for that matter, there's only so much that they can do. They are human beings with many limitations, And we pray for their work. We pray that You would be their guide. But ultimately, we acknowledge that our hope is not so much in them as it is in You. You have promised us, O God, that Your kingdom will be established on this earth as it is in heaven. And as Your people, we strive for that. We long for that. We work for that. And even though our progress is with fits and starts, we stand firm in our assurance that your promise will become a reality. That is our hope. And we also know that though the politics of this world can accomplish much good, ultimately it is the politics of heaven that will bring your kingdom. And we profess this day that it is to your kingdom that we owe our allegiance. Pray with me, church, the prayer that Jesus taught us that professes that allegiance to God's kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.
2: now
3: I can really be there. We go. Good morning, boys and girls. How is everybody? Good, good. You excited to be here? Yes, yeah, schools almost Christmas is right around the corner. Be here before you know it. Thanksgiving's coming up in a week and a half. That's great. Hey, I dressed up for you today. How about that? My Sunday best. I have, believe it or not, three pair of these babies. And, and the other ones are holy. I really should have wore those, I guess, to church. But I wore, I wore the better ones today for you. And uh, why? I actually wore these twice this week. Not this pair, the holy pair, um, because I was doing some winterizing of some plants. But growing up, my grandfather wore these a whole lot, and uh, he was a beekeeper and an automotive mechanic and all sorts of things. But I really didn't call you down here today to talk to you about the way I was dressed, but it does have something to do with what we are going to talk about today. We just sang a song about how firm a foundation. What does that word foundation mean? Anybody? What does foundation mean? Okay. It means if you build a house, you need to have a foundation, a strong foundation to hold it up. That is exactly, exactly right, Wyatt. Um, The lowest load-bearing part of a building, typically below the ground level. That's what a foundation is. So it's a foot. It's a base. It's a substructure, an infrastructure. That's what a foundation is. Um, So what does a foundation have to do with God and the church? Any ideas on that? What does a foundation have to do with God and the church? He holds up the church. That is very, very good. That is great, actually. Because everything is built on that foundation of God holding up the church. Um, Well, for our lives, we need a strong foundation, too, in our lives. And I was very, very fortunate, having grown up in Bennett Memorial, where the Thanksgiving service is going to be. Jerry was just asking, where's Bennett Memorial? And it's on the corner of Letcher and Cumnock, because I was there about 17 years. So I know exactly where Bennett Memorial and, and Mark was, too. We grew up together in church. And I thank my grandparents and my parents for that foundation that they gave me. But there are some key building blocks, and that's why these are here today, that go into a foundation, building a strong foundation. What's the first one? Y'all can read that. Tell me loudly what it is. Prayer is a big part of building a strong foundation. When do we pray? We pray before, Nibby and I do, before we eat. I pray sometimes at night. I'll pray sometimes driving down the road. Pray if I'm having a bad day. Pray if I'm having a good day. So you can pray any time and all the time. And it doesn't have to be a long, formal, nice prayer that our great prayer, Mary Rye, does. She does some great prayers. I'm envious of that. But it doesn't always have to be like that. It can just be a conversation with God. So that's one thing. Second thing is part of a foundation. What's that say? Church. This family here in this room is a big, big part of a strong foundation In my life and in your life. So that's the second thing. The third thing, this green one, what does it say? Charity. What's charity? Ryan, what's charity? In your own words. The ability to give more than needed needed maybe to someone else. That's very right. Uh, Very good. The the motto and the slogan and what we strive to live by in our church is being the presence of Christ and serving a world in need. Serving others. That's what charity is all about. So that's a third building block for a strong foundation. And the fourth building block, what does that say? Yeah, that's a little Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Sabbath is actually today. Some people recognize their Sabbath on saturdays but we recognize our sabbath on sundays and that's god's day when we are supposed to rest and rejuvenate and refresh ourselves that's why we're here in church worshiping god today because it's sabbath so if you can remember these four things my grandparents my great-grandparents were very instrumental in helping me build these points in my life and my, my home church was too. And this church is and continues to be a huge part of the foundation that God wants us to have built on his church. Okay, let's have a little prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one of these children that are here and the ones that aren't here today. And the future foundation that they are for this church. Help us to be your presence to them and to others in our community. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings. Thank you for this church. Be with Brother Hobbs as he brings the message. Bless these tithes and offerings. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Our scripture today reading will be from 2nd Timothy 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you, through laying on of my hands, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to you, to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of the Lord.
0: What a beautiful passage of scripture that is! A scripture uh, many believe was written by the Apostle Paul to his uh, his son in Christ, Timothy. Uh, some words of advice for him, and some words to to hold him up. And uh, those were beautiful, beautiful words. Thank you. You may have heard the joke about the juggler who was pulled over for speeding one day. It seems that uh, the police officer was a little suspicious of him when he looked into the back seat of the juggler's car and saw several large knives there. Okay. A little ahead of time there. <laughs> but uh, the, the police officer pulled the juggler over and looked in his back seat, and he saw several lo- large knives in the back seat of the juggler's car. And so he asked the man, what are you doing with those? And the man said, I'm a juggler in the circus, and to to make things more exciting, I, I juggle these knives. And so the police officer said, prove it. I want to see it. So the juggler started juggling six of these large knives all on the shoulder of the road there. All these knives were flying all over the place, though amazingly, every one of them were under his control. But while he was performing this act, I mean, picture this in your head. You know, on the side of the road, police officer pulls this guy over and he's juggling on the side of the road. And while he's doing this on the side of the road, another car passes by. And the driver looks at it and sees this and does a double take. As he saw this juggler throwing six knives up in the air and catching them. And he turned to his wife and he said, that's it. I'm through drinking. If I ever got stopped by the police, I could never pass one of those sobriety tests. I guess some tests are harder than others, aren't they? But Timothy was a young man who had passed the test to become a minister of Jesus Christ. Throughout the latter part of the New Testament, it is very clear that the Apostle Paul trusted few people as much as he trusted young Timothy. Timothy was Paul's emissary and his close associate. And even when Timothy did not uh, have the success that Paul had hoped for in straightening out the church in Corinth, Paul did not give up on him, on his, quote, son in the ministry. It is in Paul's second letter to Timothy that Paul gives us some insight as to why Timothy was such an outstanding young man. It seems that there were a number of factors at work in Timothy's life that served to guide him towards greatness. And I believe that Paul's words describing Timothy can be instructive to each of us in our attempt, as we attempt to live that life of faith ourselves, and as we attempt to to guide others into that life of faith. The first thing that Timothy had going for him, I believe, was his great heritage. Paul notes that Timothy's grandmother, Lois, had been a person of great faith. And so was Timothy's mother, Eunice. Greg mentioned just a moment ago his grandparents and his great-grandparents had influenced him into building these foundation blocks for his spiritual life. And I think that this is probably what has happened with Timothy as well. It's happened for many of us. Have you ever noticed that it's very difficult for a young person to, to overcome his or her upbringing? You know, environment plays such a huge role in our development, doesn't it? And, and, and the faith of our parents, the faith of our grandparents our great parent, our great grandparents it 's a major part of that environment which brings us along. I heard a ridiculous little story, and i 'm going to tell it to you anyway <laughs> it 's about a young man who was walking through the grocery store one day to pick up just a few items along the way, and he noticed that there was an older woman who was following him around all throughout the grocery store and he he noticed it but he took made note, made nothing of it and uh and then he he just ignored her a little while but she just kept on shopping and and following him along the way and finally when he came to the checkout line this older woman got in the line in front just in front of him just before he got in line and she turned around to him and, he's, and she said Pardon me, I'm sorry if my staring at you has made you feel uncomfortable. It's just that you look so much like my dear son who just died recently. And so the young man said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Is there anything that I can do for you? And she thought about it for a second and she said, Well, yeah, you know, yes, there is. There, there, there is. As I'm leaving, would you mind saying goodbye, mother? It would make me feel so much better. And the man said, "Sure, I, I can do that." And sure enough, as the older woman was leaving the grocery store, he called out and he said, "Goodbye, mother!" And she waved back at him as she disappeared through the doors of the supermarket. And then, as he stepped up to the checkout counter, they ran his his, his items there, and he saw that his total was two hundred and seventy-four dollars and sixty-five cents. And so he asked, how can that be? I only purchased a few items. And the checkout clerk said, your mother said that you would pay for hers. (laughs) 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 You know, in a sense, we all pay for the strengths and the weaknesses of our parents, don't we? And usually people of faith and love and integrity produce children of faith and love and integrity. As people often say, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Now, it doesn't always work out like that, of course. Children don't always mirror their upbringing. Life is just not that simple, and parenting is just not that simple. Pastor Bruce Wilkinson tells about attending a conference many years ago, and he discovered that there was a man sitting off to the side who was the son of a very prominent Christian leader. And so Wilkinson decided to introduce himself to this young man and and to find out what it was like to grow up in the home of such an admired leader. And so he worked his way over to the young man and he said, I understand that you are, I'm not going to give the names, you are such and such and the son of so and so. And, And the young man stared right into Wilkinson's eyes as Wilkinson said, he asked, What was it like growing up in your father's and mother's homes? What was it like being the son of such a great Christian leader? And the next thing Wilkinson knew, this young man turned, swore at him, swore at his father, swore about the Bible and said, I hate God, I hate Jesus Christ. And he stormed out of the room and he didn't come back. Well, Wilkinson Wilkinson was stunned. He couldn't couldn't think of anything more gut-wrenching than to have his own children hate him and and hate the God that he loved and to hate Jesus like this young man was professing. What had happened to this young man, he asked himself. And more importantly, what could he do to make sure that that didn't happen In his own family. Well, I guess that could have happened to Timothy. I mean, don't assume that people who make great leaders also make great parents. And don't assume that just because a person is well known for their Christian convictions, that they are able to pass that fervor for the Lord onto their children. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it it doesn't. But it did seem to work for Timothy. His grandmother and his mother had been people of great faith, and so was he. And so that's the first thing that Timothy had going for him. He had a great heritage. Second thing that Timothy had going for him was his sense of calling. Timothy had given his life to the work of the ministry. And evidently Paul himself had ordained Timothy to the work to which God had called him, through the laying on of hands. We do that when we ordain deacons and, ministry and ministers in our church. We have the laying on of hands in which we pray for God, God's blessings on these people that are set aside for God's work. And Paul reminds Timothy of how precious that gift of a calling from God is. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know that you have been called God. And I just wish that, that so many lay people did not associate the call of God with becoming a pastor or some other full time minister within the church or or the parachurch. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, we need more young people in, in full time Christian ministry. But folks, I want to tell you, and it's something that I tell people every time they join this church. Every Christian is called of God. And God has a purpose in your life just as surely as God has a purpose for mine because every Christian is a minister of God. All of us. Bruce Larson tells about a woman in his congregation who had been feeling for some time that God had given her a special ministry to people in the hospital. She loved calling on patients and and trying to impart something of God's love through reading scripture and through prayer, through friendship, through concern. And she began to sense that that God wanted her to do this on a continuing basis in one of the the local hospitals. And so this this woman, who, mind you, has no special training in counseling or, or pastoral care, presented herself to the chaplain of the local hospital and declared that she would very much like to help support that chaplain's ministry in any way she could. Unpaid, of course. And to her amazement, the chaplain said yes. And she began to take her under her wing and showed her the ropes and gave her as much responsibility as she felt like she was able to take. That was over ten years ago. And now this woman spends several days every week assisting the chaplain and doing what she loves the most, ministering to the sick. Now, you may not be able to make that kind of time commitment that this woman made, but folks, God has called every Christian to be a minister. It may be a ministry of caring or a ministry of music. It may be a ministry of teaching or a host of other ways of serving God and serving God's children. But folks, I want to tell you that God has called every Christian to be a minister. And an integral part of living a fulfilling life is hearing God's voice in our lives and giving our lives to something that is noble And worthwhile. And so Paul reminds Timothy of his heritage and he reminds him also of his calling. But there's one more compelling reason that Timothy was such a fine young man, and that is that Timothy possessed a confident faith in God. And this was an attribute that he shared with his mentor, with Paul. Paul writes in our passage for today. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that that day. I love that passage of scripture, don't you? I don't know about you, but I can hardly read that without singing it in my head. You know, we just sang it just a few minutes ago. But it's a testimony to us about the strong faith that Paul and Timothy had in God. But you know something? There are a lot of people who believe in God, but they don't trust God. They don't have faith in God. It's true. They can pass the test of, the Sunday school test, they've learned the lessons, they can pass the catechism and repeat them back to you and answer the questions, but they can't cross over that chasm from belief to faith, from intellectual assent to trust. And that, my friends, is what makes all the difference in the world. There was an interesting item in Leadership Magazine a while back. It seems that 100 large wooden bird decoys were placed on the Izu Peninsula in in Japan. And their purpose was to attract endangered albatrosses, to encourage them to breed. And it worked. As a matter of fact, it worked too well for one of the albatrosses. Because, you see, for more than two years now, this five-year-old albatross, they even have names for him, his name is Diko, he tried to woo one of these wooden decoys. He's, he's presenting himself before this decoy. He's building these fancy nests. He's fighting off rival suitors. He spent all of his days standing faithfully by this decoy's side. A Japanese researcher Fumio Sato Talking about this albatross's infatuation with the wooden decoy he says that he seems to have no desire at all to date real birds. And you know something? I see that same I can see that same thing happening with a lot of people. I know it happens with our faith. Because my friends, there are a lot of people who have an infatuation with a pale imitation of the Christian faith. A decoy, if you will. And they never experience the real thing. There are a lot of people who say, oh yeah, I believe in God, I read my Bible, I pray every night, but, but let some, something unpleasant happen. A setback of some kind. A heartbreak a disappointment. And you'll find them wringing their hands and saying, oh, dear me, what will I do? What will I do? And I'm not saying that faith is easy. It's not. And I'm sure that all of us, everyone in this room, have struggled with our faith from time to time. And I recognize that sometimes, especially when life seems crashing down around us, it is hard for us to see God at work And to believe that God is with us, but that is precisely the time when we most need to trust God. How about leaning back on the everlasting arms? How about turning it over to Jesus and trusting God? And I know that that sounds like platitudes, it's not. It's for real, folks. There's a difference between believing in God and trusting God. Truly trusting God for your health, for your finances, for your family, for your future, for the future of our lives together, for our nation. Trust in God. That's the kind of faith that God's looking for, and it's a rare faith indeed. How many of you remember remember that great action movie called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Uh, uh, Most of you have seen it there. In this movie, if you remember, Indy's quest is to find the Holy Grail, the original chalice used by Jesus during the, the Last Supper. And in order to prove himself pure in heart, Indy has to face several life-threatening challenges that tested his humility and his obedience and his trust. And the final challenge that Indy faces, he finds himself teetering on the brink of a deep chasm. Now his father lies dying, and his only hope is to find the, the right chalice And according to the the legends, the way across lies right before him, but he can't see it. He must step out in faith with no tangible assurance of support, and he must trust what his eyes cannot see. Pretty scary. So let's see how that turns out for Indy. Let's take a look at that video and see what happens. Can we bring it up now? (laughs) There we go.
2: We can jump this Indy. Indy, you must hurry. Come
0: quickly. Can y'all see it? Oh Okay, we'll cut it. Since we can't see it, we'll cut it. It loses something with this audio. <laughs> but you probably remember what happens here. He's standing right on the edge there. And he looks down, and there's nothing there. And he has to get across to the other side. He's looking at his book, which shows somebody walking on the air. And there's no other way, nothing else for him to to do but to step forward. And he takes a step forward into what appears to be thin air. And what he discovers is that it's an optical illusion, and there's actually a bridge of solid rock that leads the way to the other side. It's invisible to his eyes, but he steps on it in faith. Folks, if you're like me, you have found yourself standing on that rock before, haven't you? Standing on the edge of the unknown with no perceivable path to safety. Anyone who has ever turned a loved one over to the Lord, anyone who has ever staked his or her life or his or her reputation on seeking God's will, anyone who has ever sat in a doctor's office and said, Lord, I'm scared, but I'm turning this over to you. I know that whatever comes, I will always be under your care. Anyone who has ever done any of these things knows what it's like to step out onto that unseen bridge of faith. And trust in God. It comes to all of us sooner or later. And it is there that we discover whether we just believe in God or whether we trust God. Paul had faith in God. And that's why he could write, I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Young Timothy proved to have that kind of faith as well. Maybe it was because he saw that kind of faith in his mother and his grandmother. I believe that in times of crisis, the greatest gift that we can give to our children is that example of a peaceful, trusting spirit. Maybe it came from Timothy's sense of of a calling. Indeed, when, when you believe that you are seeking to do God's will in this world, you begin to sense God's presence in the world. And it can give you a confidence that God is ultimately in control. But whatever the source, Timothy was a very special follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that each of us will take that faith upon ourselves and also be very special followers of Jesus Christ. So are you troubled? Are you frustrated? Are you uncertain of what the future may hold? Paul and Timothy have given us a solution. Trust God. Amen. Let's sing a song. 405. Have faith in God. Pretty much says it all, doesn't it? It says everything I've been talking about today. So let's do it. Let's have faith in God and let's sing it. Before we have our benediction today, I, I, I want to uh, present a couple of people to you for church membership, and that is Jamie and Ryan Gillette. Wave your hand, Jamie. <laughs> uh, I, I spoke with with both of them uh, a, a week or so ago, and, uh, and and especially Ryan. Ryan is how old now? He's ten, ten years old, and uh, making a profession in Christ, uh, to Christ and, uh, and wants to be baptized. And Jamie wants to be baptized mm-hmm. along with him. And uh, we will uh, arrange for that as soon as possible. But they are presenting themselves to, uh, to the family of Christ and to the family of Community Baptist Church. And so if you would, along with me, welcome them to our family by raising your hand and saying, Amen. 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 And you could probably tell me, what is it that I say to every member? I said it just a member, minute ago. Every Christian is a minister of the gospel. And every mem- member of this church is a minister of the gospel. And so we look forward to our ministry to, your, to you and to your ministry to us and Ryan's ministry to us as well. Yes, folks, even a 10-year-old, especially a 10-year-old. We heard some of that during our children's sermon. They were preaching today, weren't they? <laughs> We welcome you to our family. Let us bow. Eternal and ever-present God, you have made us and called us with a holy calling. And so now guide us and sustain us along your way. And in your word that we may walk in your paths, build your kingdom so that our worship and our work may be one. Amen.